You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily, Thursday the 6th of October, Tom Stanley in for Nick. And we start by reflecting on a record-breaking day at Book One Sales in Newmarket. It was the highest-grossing day in European sales history. Uh, Emma Berry joins me to reflect on that. Emma is the European editor of the Thoroughbred Daily News. You can uh, find Emma's insightful piece on a record-breaking day on the Thoroughbred Daily News website. Uh, you referenced Emma Frankel fever, which which struck the ring yesterday. Just. Tell us what it was like at the sales yesterday. It was, it just was relentless, really. I mean, we're used to book one being very of the, you know, of the October yearling sale. It's the cream of the crop, the three days this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and ending today. So we're used to that being pretty frenetic. But I've, I've never known a day like uh, yesterday. And that includes the December mayor's sales, which often, uh, you know, the Tuesday of the December mayor's often extremely busy as well. Um, but it just there just didn't seem to be a pause in the one extremely expensive lot after another led by three frankels as as you've said but it's also been dubawi fever as well i mean those two are going head to head in 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 the size size championships and and also in the sales ring people you know top end buyers just can't get enough of their offspring yeah dubai was with the was the headline maker um the day before yesterday and and yesterday it was it was all about Frankel. Um, I suppose it was the the amount of seven figure sales that was really surprising. We're we're used to the sort of the the headline makers, aren't we? But but just the amount of big money lots was was what I thought was really surprising. Following it on social media, it was oh another one and, and another one and another one. You know, is is this a tale of something that we've? I know we've discussed throughout the re- week, really, on the, the podcast, the, the strength of the dollar, um, the, the the big boys, if you like, internationals being in town. It's it, it, Was it half expected yesterday? Yes, building up to this sale, there's certainly been anticipation that it was going to be very strong. The catalogue is um, outstanding. And all the sales leading up to this through from the you know start of the yearling season in Europe in, in the middle of August at Arcana, they've all been you know, extremely uh, well received and and well supported by international buyers. Goff's Orbi sale last week was was very good as well, and a lot of American participation there in particular. And at Tassels, it's it stepped up another level. Um, I think I think it was expected. I probably hadn't expected it quite to that level yesterday, quite in quite such an intense fashion. I mean, the catalogue is 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 not graded as such over the three days, so it's alphabetically by dam. So you never quite know where the the really big spells are going to come maybe today today will be a bit quieter but we've still got um, some incredible horses to come through today so yes i'm i'm, I'm preparing myself with some barocca <laughs> and uh, lots of coffee to get through another massive session and emma you you put out a tweet yesterday evening which um had a lot of response you said in, in just over eight hours the equivalent of 52 million was spent on 144 yearlings at tattersall's making it the highest turnover in a single day at a horse sale in European history, the strange parallel universe of the bloodstock industry continues uh, very much so. Um, what's your or take on on how good this is for for British racing? There's no there's no doubt that you know this is a, a British sale and and it's something to to celebrate from that point of view. But as far as whether this is 
this is good for all levels of, of British racing. How do you see that? On a number of levels, it is certainly good for racing, good for British racing. A lot of British breeders have done very well at this sale. And, you know, what we're seeing this week is a reflection on a real golden era for British stallions, if you like, to have the stallions of the quality of Dubawi, Frankel, Kingman, all, you know, within close proximity to each other, not that far up the road from Tassels. Those are just three, you know, and brought more broadly you know, in Ireland as well, we've got the likes of See the Stars, Lope de Vega, you know, really top end stallions in, the, in this part of the world that buyers from all over recognise as being, you know, incredibly effective in different, you know, in different jurisdictions. And of course, with stallions that good, they're going to be attracting incredibly good mares. It takes two to tango. It's not just about the stallions. You know, these are incredibly well-bred individuals we're seeing. And it's kind of, come together at a time when we've got, um, as you've mentioned, uh, a very strong dollar, which is encouraging particularly American buyers. And in America, I I can't quite work out why, but breeders don't have um, an inclination towards using turf sires. Um, There aren't that many standing there because they're not supported when when the few do. Um, But they do have an increasing and pretty valuable turf program. So they're coming to shop in the place where they know the best turf yearlings are available it's not reflective of the industry as a whole as we know i mean we constantly reference prize money problems in in this part of the world i'm you know sitting here at home in our very small stable our numbers are dropping like a lot of a lot of trainers smaller trainers are and i'm not convinced that there's going to be a huge trickle down from what we see this week to broader parts of the industry but you know on one level it is you know we have to be proud of the fact that a lot of people want to come and buy British and Irish bloodstock at these sales. We're still doing something very well in this part of the world and it's desirable. I mean, we mustn't obviously sell off all the goodies, but at the moment we're we're riding on the crest of a wave. Well, yesterday it was Watership Down Studs' Frankel cult out of uh, Somidar who um, caught all the attention really and, and, and was the top lot. Uh, here is Nick with Simon Marsh, General Manager of Watership Down Stud. Well, thank you, Tom. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on proceedings at the sales from uh, my base, wherever I happen to be in the the States at the moment, en route from New York to Kentucky today. Uh, 2.8 million guineas, as you say, was the top price um, fetched by a son of Frankel out of the top-class race mare Somi Dar. She, from the top-class family of Darara and Daremi and Lati Dar, consigned and owned by Watership Down Stud, and Godolphin were the successful bidders. Uh, they outbid Bill Farish's syndicate. Uh, Simon Marsh uh, runs Watership Down Studies, a friend of this show, friend of this podcast. Uh, Simon, nothing less than excellence was ever going to do for this cult. How do you feel this evening? Well, I'm, I'm obviously a great sense of relief that he's um, he's got through the ring and to um, Sheikh Mohammed and will be trained, I would assume, by Charlie Appleby, which is which is wonderful. Um, and the fact we have so much of the family, it's it's great that he's he's gone to a really, really good home. Shane Mohammed's had actually a lot of success with the family. He he bought Rewilding many years ago from us and um, obviously he stands too darn hot at, da- at Dallam. Um, which we own in partnership with him. I was lucky enough to come down and see him as a foal, and we we featured him with Madeleine Lloyd Webber on this podcast, and he was an absolutely beautiful foal. But you know, as well as anyone, an awful lot can go wrong in in fifteen months. Has he been a, has he been straightforward to deal with in the intervening period? 
He's been a totally straightforward horse. He's been an absolute pleasure to deal with. Um, you know, he's he's been pretty faultless in every way. Um, but I think the most important thing in this is that to get a horse from when you saw him earlier, even you know from from when they're foaled, it involves an enormous amount of people and an enormous amount of expertise. And you know, from the person who foaled him to Terry Doherty, who's our um, her stud manager at Wardship, um, to the farriers, to the to the vets, to the chiropractors, to the you know, there's just so many people involved in in getting these horses to the sales and ultimately to the race course. So, yeah, I'd say it's a massive team effort and it's a extremely, um, extremely um, good thing when, when this kind of thing can happen. You, you've had the progeny of the, the very best European stallions through your hands over the last few decades. Sadler's Wells, Galileo, Frankel, Dubawi, See the Stars... Is there is there a characteristic you can you can readily ascribe to the horses that you've had by Frankel to the youngsters by Frankel that you've had? Well, I think I think the, in what you said, I mean, the interesting thing has been that um, we've we've had a lot of Dubawis, um and we've got all these um, fillies by Dubawi, Full Sisters, Semi Dan, Lati Dan, Dialectable You, etc., and obviously Tudan Hot himself was a full brother to them, um, and. Where it has really been very fortuitous is that it seems that mating Dubawi mares to Frankel is a exceptional cross, and um, it's already produced three Group One winners, and I think is at the moment producing something like twenty percent stakes winners to um, to, to um, uh, racehorses. So um, that is is incredibly fortuitous in the ma- in as much as we've got uh, these lovely um, the Bowie fillies and mares. Um, as characteristics go, I think there's an awful lot of character coming from both sides. But the the, the Dorara Dare Me side of the family is very is very dominant um, and. But this, but this particular colt um, looked exactly like um, Frankel. I mean, he was a kind of Frankel clone. Um, and let's just hope that he can be um, probably not as good as him because I don't think I'll ever see <laughs> one better than him, but um, be able to perform to um, what everybody hopes he will. There was a result that I thought would would thrill you just as much. In fact, there were a couple of results that I thought would thrill you just as much. When I scanned through the two darn hots, and particularly where they were going, I I saw David Redvers sign for a two darn hot at 600, and I saw American agent or American-based agent Mike Ryan sign for one at 400. Um, how how pleased were you with what he achieved over the last couple of days? Yeah, well, he seems to have been incredibly well-received, and... Um, I know that David is a is a big advocate of his, and um, and Mike Ryan has gone on record as to saying that he's an exceptionally exciting young stallion, and that he was very very keen to get his hands on one. So to have a few out in America will be great. Um, but no, they all seem to be going to good good new homes, and um, yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot more next week, and he's got plenty more tomorrow to sell to. Uh, and uh, you, this is just the tip of the iceberg for for you. How many more yearlings have you got to go through the ring over the next couple of weeks? 
Well, not too many. We've got tomorrow, we've got nine to go through the ring tomorrow. We've got some really, really nice horses to sell tomorrow. So we've got a really exciting day. Um, they've all gone and been, um, you know, everybody seems to like them. And um, we've had a lot of, um, lot of action. So let's hope that that converts to what might happen to them when they go through the ring. Simon, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much, Nick. Emma, um, Simon, reflecting on on the the sale of this um, cult out of, of Somidar, just tell us about him. No surprise that 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 horse was top lot. No, not really. Um, I mean, when you're buying, yeah, when, when you're buying at this level, you're looking for not just a race horse, but whether it's a future stallion prospect or or you know, broodmare prospect, and in this case, a colt. That a horse with an obvious stallion's pedigree. I mean, we've seen. This family goes right back to Durara, who was a an Aga Khan bred mare bought by Watership Down a number of years ago, and who's been incredibly influential for their broodmare band, especially through her daughter Dare Me, who was a terrific racehorse herself and has been a fantastic producer. And uh, yes, this Frankel Colt, um, his his dam Somi Dar, full full sister to Tudan Hot, who was of course champion two year old and has his first yearlings at the sale. At the moment, there's plenty happening in this family, and uh, he was a an incredibly good-looking individual from a top-draw family. So, uh, and by Frankel, you know, champion sire who everyone everyone wants to see. So, yes, everything was going for him. And uh, I think Bill Farish uh, of Lane's M Farm in America was the underbidder. Godolphin had the had the last say. Um, but yes, you see there a battle between you know a major British-based owner and uh, and one of America's sort of leading farms as well. That's that's the level of competition we're looking at this week. The other the other point, which again we have touched on um, with regards to the the first day, and it, we saw it again yesterday, which I, I think is a is a huge positive, is um, Shaker Hiss's involvement and and Shadwell buying horses again. How struck are you by that, and, and what it might mean for the operation going forward? It's incredibly pleasing to see. I, I've really enjoyed watching Shaker Hiss's reactions at the races this year, and hasn't. Operation had a marvelous year. It's been it's been wonderful to see, particularly by Eid, but also Hukum and uh, Minzal. You know they've had great success. She's clearly enjoying it. Though you know Angus Gold spoke yesterday after they bought two so far this week, and I think they bought a couple in America as well in Keeneland. So they're buying selectively, sensibly, looking for some nice fillies with pedigrees. Uh, for, you know for the future, as a breeding operation should. Um, Angus reflected quite poignantly on the you know how the last couple of years has been very tough for them all i mean sheikh hamdan was widely loved and his the people who worked for him were so loyal to him and they must miss him and it can't have been easy for that operation to have had to disperse so many horses that they've you know they've worked on those families over the years and they there was a massive reduction in numbers last year that's that's hard for the staff who've worked with those horses and so they've brought the numbers down to you know much more sensible level they're clearly just enhancing with a few here and there. But it was great to hear that, that next year they expect to have about 52-year-olds in training. That's not an insignificant number at all. It's not at the level we used to see in Sheikh Hamdan's day. But it's encouraging and it's it's wonderful to see the you know, baton having been passed to someone with such enthusiasm for continuing her, what was clearly her father's you know, absolute passion. Well, news just uh, coming in. Good job. I hadn't already recorded a David Egan interview about Sakir. He laughs. Um, but Sakir is a non-runner in uh, this weekend's Dali Dewhurst stakes due to a, a dirty scope. It's a shame for the race, shame to, shame to 
Um, so we won't find out whether or not the horse would have successfully stepped up and trip. But there we are. Uh, Emma, who, who do you like in the race currently? The horse I really like and, and wouldn't rule out at all is Chaldean. He's just been progressing all season. Another son of Frankel. Um, you know, he's he looks very smart. And um, I'd be possibly siding with him. I mean, it's going to be a thrilling race. Um, but I, yeah, he's, he's one I've followed all the way through the year. And um, I, I wouldn't be ruling him out on mm. Saturday. Well, Barry Mann of Jumont Farms joins me now to talk about Chaldean and indeed Nostrum. Barry, doubly represented in the race. Um, are great for us fans. They're taking each other on. Yeah, look, it's very exciting for us to have two calls of the calibre of these two. And uh, it's very sporting not to be a build of family to let us run the two of them. Um, you know, they're, they're two exciting horses. Obviously, Chaldean has a bit more experience. And uh, he won very nicely the last day in, in Doncaster. Um, I'd say he's improved. he had improved plenty from York, so hopefully he might have improved again, which Andrew thinks he has. Um, and he is an exciting cold. As for Nostrum, he's a little bit less ex- uh, less experienced. Uh, obviously, he was meant to go to Doncaster for the Flying Scotsman, um, and the race was postponed, uh, so he missed that. And you know, it's not a long time since his last run, but he's a he's a high class cold, and I think yeah, Sir Michael seems he has plenty of ability and the experience of the race will do him good whether he's mature enough uh, to win it we're not sure but the experience of it will do him good and uh, you know with with regard to either of them stepping up in distance this year were, were that ever to be on the agenda obviously you're choosing to run them both over over seven but are they similar types in the in the sense of uh, of what sort of distance they might get do you think or do they differ in that way no, I think they're, they're, they're similar as in, I think both of them are, are milers, uh, ultimately they'll be milers as, as three-year-olds, that's what they'll be campaigned at, um, Frankie Dettori felt that Chaldine had plenty of speed, the last day he rode him, he said he surprised him when he, when he asked him to quicken, he said he took off one drum and he, he was surprised how much speed he had, but I, I, I think he's, ultimately he's no problem getting a mile and certainly some Michael's are way get a mile and, and, you know, maybe next year he could even get ten. Mm. Um, Chaldean being a, a son of Frankel, sire of the moment, isn't he? Sire of the moment, yeah. Sire of the moment. He's, I, I'm at Tattersall Sales this week and uh, we've all seen the, the exploits of the Frankel progeny. They're selling mm. for millions of pounds and, uh, you know, he's he's killing it on the racetrack and he's the sire that everyone is talking about and everyone wants him. Mm, he really is. Um, just finally on, on the two of them, I don't know whether you know how, how set in stone plans would be, but do you estimate this would be the last time we see both of the Colts this year, or does that really depend on, on what happens and any, any plans in mind for either of them? No plans in mind. I'd, I'd be 99% certain this would both be both Colts last run. Um, you know, there are two of persons, and I think we'll, we'll put them away after Saturday and uh, Barry, really appreciate your time. All the best. We saw a, a good two-year-old yesterday in the form of Liberty Lane at Nottingham, often a, a good spot to, to find some uh, late two-year-olds in, in, in that part of their campaign. Um, first of all, here's Carl Burke. He talks about his run in the, the Phillies Mile as well, but here he is first of all on Liberty Lane. From Newmarket at the sales, but um, it looked very smooth, very well. You know, he did it everything I thought he could do, and um, did it very well. I love the way he galloped through the line. 
and he can only he can only improve. He's a big baby on the horse, you know. Um, yeah, the other thing I was, I was sort of taken with was was how well he seemed to to go on that ground. I mean, obviously, I suppose that's not the sort of ground necessarily you you, you want for a first up juvenile. But did you have any worry about it going into it? No, not really. I didn't. To be honest, I didn't um, want it that soft. Um, but he certainly seemed to show more of any action on the on the turf than he does on the artificial surfaces at home. But um, Cliff said he, he handled the ground fine, no problem. And, you know, he has got that bit of a exaggerated knee action, which I hadn't noticed as much at home because um, uh, we do most of our work. I think it's probably only the second time he's been on grass all year. So uh, no, it's something. It'd be interesting to see how he handles quicker ground, but mm. I, I don't see it as a problem. Uh, don't see it as a problem getting him on a sounder surface whenever we next see him next, etc. Exactly. I wouldn't think he'll run again this year. I haven't spoken to his owner yet properly, but um, my my view would be to, to leave him alone now for next year. What sort of horse do you think he can develop into next year, Carl? Um, my immediate reaction after the race was he, he, he's, he's going to head to the Dante, you know, that type of race. Maybe the nine furlong, three-year-old um, listed race at Newmarket at the... Mm. at the Guineas meeting or the Craven meeting and um, and go from there. You know? Fielding? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether Fielding's the older horse or the three-year-old, but, but there, is a, that, there is a race there for nine furlongs for three-year-olds mm. and that looks, looked to me, um, thinking without setting it in stone, that's, that seemed the route we'd probably take, that type of race anyway. Is he the, the standout of the back-end juveniles you have at home? Um, no, yeah, he's one of them. He's one of them. There's a couple of nice horses still to run, and a couple made their debut next week, which we're we're pretty keen on. Okay. He immediately googles Carl Burke entries. Want <laughs> <laughs> to want to throw any names at us, Carl? No, I'll let you work it out for yourself. Oh, I love it. All right, but good. You've got strength in depth in that division, anyway. Yeah, look, we've got some. We're very lucky. We've got some lovely, uh, lovely two-year-olds this year, and. A lot of horses that look as though they'll they'll step up into a three-year-olds as well, so it's great. Um, uh, Phillies Mile, are you, are you stopping down in, in Newmarket and, and, and attending the track tomorrow for the Phillies Mile? I'm actually supposed to be heading home this evening, uh, this evening um, after we finish the sales today to see some horses work tomorrow and then and then back down again for Newmarket for racing and then I stay down for book two, so it's pretty... It's a pretty hectic time at the moment. I'm glad you found time for for us. Novakai and um, Bright Diamonds have obviously obviously happy enough to run two against each other. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, um, it's always a shame when you have to run two against each other. But um, Novakai is obviously a high class filly, but she's very much going to be a mile and a half horse next year. Um, not sure the ground will be quite slow enough for her to to um, be at a complete best over a mile. Um, the other filly would um, would would probably have to be more of a speed speedier type than Novakai. Okay, um, and uh, obviously Cliff's on on Bright Diamond, and and she is stepping up in in distance off the back of a, a bit of a luckless effort at Goodwood. Is that going to suit her? Definitely, yeah, okay. definitely. She'll um, she'll 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 stay the mile, no problem at all. Yeah, we felt she was very unlucky. She's very sleepy out of the stalls, and we don't know, you know, just. Just a sleepy first time out, and uh, you know, just presume she'd learn from that. And she was sleepy again at Goodwood. Of course, the, the, the way the race and the way Ray Goodwood is, it suits the front runners. First two were always first two all the way, and we were the only horse to make any inroads on them. And I think if we'd have jumped and latched onto them, which is, was the plan, I think we'd have been hard to beat that day. So hopefully she can um, 
show a, show a different side to it tomorrow. Okay, you worried about that for, for tomorrow, sleepiness wise, or at the gate? No, I think you know we're aware of it now, and um, you know we've done a little bit of work on it, and uh, hopefully she'll she'll jump well. So she's not a she's not bad in the soles or anything. She's just a little bit. She is that way. She races a bit sleepy as well. You know. Mm. Um, are you declaring Holloway boy for the autumn? He's just literally that's what I'm doing now. When you rang, I've just declared him. He comes down for Saturday and. Um, He's, he's come out, he's stepped forward from that last run of new markets. We were definitely just a little bit back behind the black ball um, with him going into that last race. You know, our horses, we had two or three weeks of dirty noses and dirty scopes, so that's why he missed the champagne. And we only just got him there. He had a real good blow after after his last run. Not saying for a minute we would have beaten Sir Michael's horse, but, um, you know, I think we're better than that, therefore. Okay. Uh, and stepping up to a mile again, got to be a plus? Yeah, I think so. Danny's adamant. Uh, Danny Tudor, who's ridden him, he doesn't ride him Saturday. He's, he's retained, obviously, by Clipper, and he has to go to York, so Cliff, Cliff will ride him on Saturday. Um, Danny's adamant that um, he'll be better over the line, and, and I'd agree with it. Cheers, Carl. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Tom. Cheers. Impressive, uh, Emma, was was uh, Liberty Lane, I, I thought, yesterday. One of a, a couple of um, first-time-out winners for Sheikh Mohammed Abade in, in two days, one at Leicester and, and one at Nottingham yesterday. They're having a good season, uh, as is Carl Burt with his juveniles, and um, I was pretty taken with this horse. Uh, as was I, yes. He looks incredibly impressive. Just really professional as well um, for his first run, you know, out there in the front, just lobbing along pretty easily, it looked, um, on, on the lead. And then, you know, there was a moment when you think, what is he going to find? Um, but gosh, he stuck on incredibly professionally and, and just went away from them um, in the manner of an extremely promising horse. Um, he went straight into my horse tracker, having watched that. I only watched the replay because I was sort of bound up in the in the sale, but uh, looks very smart, doesn't he? And, you know, Carl's very good at getting his two-year-olds ready first time out, but he looks like a horse that it's all about next year. I like this series that the British EBF backs, this Siren Dam restricted uh, maiden series um, that's focusing on you know the progeny of of um mares and stallions that have won over certain distances um that you know look look like sort of middle distance prospects for the future and he he's uh, definitely one for the notebook yeah it's part of the future stairs series isn't it and it and it it, it does seem to um I don't want to say gain some traction in recent years because I, I know that you know that horses like this need races but I I, I feel as though um the fact that it's been put together as a series ha- has seen some consistency and it producing by and large some some pretty good prospects going forward next year we need we need to celebrate these future stairs if you like as much as possible absolutely i couldn't agree more um you know they these are the horses that uh generally speaking tend to stay in training a bit longer as well and the public get really behind them i mean we're going to see a great fanfare for stradivarius retiring you know bowing out on champions day and um you know these important horses for um for the public to get behind but they're also you know, thrilling races to to be following. I love the cup races. Um, I'm not saying he's not going to be a cup horse. He could be a really nice, you know, top class middle distance horse. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's certainly got lots of potential. And and these these races restricted to to those sort of horses, I think, are really encouraging. Um, you know, for people to get their two year olds out at this this time of year and see what they've got and hope for, you know, hope for good times ahead. Now, change attack, Emma as we uh, move to the Savile plan and, and um, uh, Bill Barber's article, which um, emerged late yesterday evening on the, the Racing Post. Obviously, you haven't had a huge amount of time to reflect on this because we're doing this pretty early on Thursday morning. 
but uh, the article centers on well a, a secret 20 page document that the the racing post have seen it was uh, drafted by peter saville and sent out by the bha to members of the racing industry workshop who met for the the two day strategy in in london the the main points to to pull out are the introduction of 93 kite mark premier flat fixtures which will be paid for by downgrading 250 handicaps among other measures and is all geared towards well i read out the quote um which it which it says in the in the document we very much believe that the major focus of the restructure must be to create a more readily identifiable top end of the racing industry in the way that almost every other sport has done premier racing is is mentioned in the um, article headline how do you reflect on that my take uh, i suppose just having read the racing post report not the full report so it's it's hard to comment um more broadly i don't feel that we're doing that badly anyway i mean i think our big meetings are pretty well celebrated and and signposted if you like um i do feel there needs to be a tightening of the programme generally, which I think a lot of people believe, and hopefully that will be done in this review that's taking place. Um, and yes, maybe if it's it's hosting more premier races on Sundays, for example, where more people can go, more people can focus on it. Yeah, I mean, I do feel this is sort of tinkering more than anything. Um, and, you know, we do, it's, it's a strange conundrum, isn't it? Um, you have these big meetings that I think a lot of people want to support anyway, whether you're supporting them with horses or supporting them as a, as a fan. Um, and then the poor old grassroots racing that no one seems to be terribly um, worried about preserving actually is really important to the sport as well. Because if you go to a, a small midweek meeting, you know, somewhere like I was, well, it wasn't midweek meeting a Sunday a few weeks ago at Plumpton, absolutely packed with people. And it was a very ordinary day's racing, but with a fantastic feel. So, you know, I think we still I think we can't overlook the fact that racing actually does have a lot of support at all levels. Um, and yes, perhaps tying things together in in a broader series that expands on something like the champion series maybe will help. I'm not convinced it's it's the sort of you know magic wand approach that that we need. Um, we need more funding across all of the sport. Um, and where that's going to come from is a great mystery unless we can increase the return to racing from from the betting if 93 kite marked premier flat fixtures are are, are introduced and and 250 odd handicaps are, are downgraded um you know that the sport markets the very top end do you worry about the the bottom end or or, or can the the lower end racing can it just take care of itself well, I don't think it can take care of itself. I think it needs to be maintained as it is at the moment. And actually, from from what I read from the Savile report, the bits that were you know in the public domain, you know, a few weeks ago, it seemed that that wasn't going to be threatened. Um, I, maybe I'm being naive and have just skimmed it too much, but I wasn't concerned about that. I mean, I think everyone realizes whether you're a huge trainer or a two horse trainer. You know, owners from all levels are participating in these in this grassroots level. If you have a hundred horses, they're not all going to be hundred Group One horses. You might have two or three, and and the rest, you know, have to find their way. And without that broad base to the pyramid, we will, you know, the 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 top will topple because you need to have that filter for the best horses to come through. 
the concern is obviously losing the middle tier of horses to other jurisdictions who can wave you know a large check and say well that's a nice maiden winner let's take it to hong kong or australia or america unless we seriously increase our prize money at that level that's not going to stop happening and i don't see where those increased funds are going to come from at the moment because you can't take it from the top end we have to preserve our crown jewels to be you know we're not on a level footing with places like australia and france but we've got decent money at the top end i i believe and you know how how much can you slice up the pot that we already have we can't really much more than we do already um so i don't know where it's going to come from i don't don't believe that drain will stop just by redistributing what we have already. Now, Emma, this is the part of the show where we ask the the, the main guest to send us away with a winner. Now, I don't expect you, unless you you, you have one, to, to to send us home with a, a horse that's running today who's going to win. But you're very welcome to. But equally, um, you can you can think a little bit outside the box. Or I put it to you that that perhaps you'd give us the the first season sire to look out for next year. Where do you want to go with this, Emma? The the floor is yours. Oh well, okay. Um, I'd certainly like to um, veer away from today's tips and hope that if I give someone the first season sire for next year, by next year they'll have forgotten what I've said. <laughs> That's um, the, per- <laughs> the perfect way of playing the antipose market. Genius. Absolutely. So. Um, look, I'm not suggesting he's going to be the champion first season sire next year, but I think people would should. Pay close attention to the first runners for Massar next year. The, obviously, he was the Derby winner, um, sort of his first yearlings at the moment. I think it's very easy with the Derby winner going to start to just look at him as a Derby winner and think, well, you know, he's going to get later maturing types and middle distance horses, and he he may well. But it's uh, Massar was a terribly good two year old. I mean, I think he won in May of his two year old season, beating Invincible Army over six furlongs. That's not a slow horse, and um, you know, Solaria Stakes winner. His stock that I've seen, and I haven't seen masses of them, but those I've seen look quite handyish types that shouldn't be really backward. I mean, they're going to be, that's a sweeping generalisation, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets horses that by sort of the middle of next summer are uh, looking quite smart. He's uh, he's going to be one to follow for me next year. I'm not going to suggest he's champion first season sire, but I hope he gets some nice, nice, nice runners, nice two-year-old runners. And I hope, Emma, that um, you have a, a fun day today perhaps not quite as mad as yesterday because it's a long day very long yes i'm not sure if fun is quite the word i use <laughs> but it's it'll be interesting anyway we'll see what uh, see what happens yes and uh, and then we do it all again next week from monday for book two three and four so yeah there you go emma thanks ever so much indeed uh, thanks to everyone at home for listening nick we'll be back tomorrow bye-bye You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.